Hello and welcome to episode 998 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, January 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined today by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. How's it going? It's uh, it's going well. You know, uh, apparently, I don't know if you've seen this poll yet on Twitter that I put out, but apparently two-thirds of my Twitter followers would like me to get a divorce. Oh. I'm sorry. What? I mean, you know. It's, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I was just surprised by yeah, the I'm results so by far. That. So, is it for Danielle's sake? Uh, well, I, you know, I've got this bet with Rob Silver that I won't play in more than 17 leagues this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't think, I mean, it, there's a lot of focus on it, but I, I think it's going to be difficult for you to do that. Well, no, no. I mean, I, I have actually like a spreadsheet of all the leagues I'm going to play in this year. I've, you know, made sure to keep on the pace and stuff like that. Uh, I think I'm going to be okay. Okay. Uh, the problem is when my wife, Danielle, uh, who you can follow on Twitter uh, at Mrs. D. Salinger, um, uh, when she found out about this bet with Rob, she goes, hey, I'm going to one up him. Uh, how about if uh, if you play in more than 15 leagues, I divorce you. <laughs> and I said, I'm not agreeing to that. She said, I don't care. Um, and so I, I put out a little Twitter poll uh, saying, you know, kind of outlining the situation and saying, how many leagues should I play in? You know, 15, 17, um, or just file for divorce before her. Um, and right now, two thirds of the people are voting win. for the divorce options. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, I, that's hilarious. These people are like, yeah, not my life. Let's watch this guy go down in flames. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, that's really funny. I mean, I mean she they think... voted for the divorce her beforehand <laughs> option. If they think y'all snipe each other now, just wait. Uh, divorce Twitter. Oh, it's a whole, a whole other animal that I I could not even I, I would try to get her Twitter account in the forest. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You'd, you'd have to fight for that. And I don't think you'd win. Yeah, so probably you, not. You'd be, She'd you'd probably get mine. I, I was going to say it could go the other. She'd probably get TGFBI. And she and would try. For sure. And then she just ends it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well. I don't want to divorce you. I want to I want to talk more baseball with you. I don't think that these debates are going to cause a divorce between us, but we're talking more SPs today. And uh, last time out, we talked about where I was higher. We had some wonderful conversations that got both of us to make moves in our rankings. And I imagine we'll have the same today, but we're going to be talking about a handful of guys that you're higher on. And we're going to dive right in and we're going to start with a guy that I'm not super keen on and, we're, and we are starting uh on the higher ranked guys higher meaning the bigger number in this instance uh so it's eliezer hernandez at 90 and a quick caveat once we st- i don't know exactly the number but let's just for safety call it like past pitcher 60 you really start to get some uncertainty in the in the globs and they get big so even though i have eliezer hernandez 40 spots lower at 130 I'm not going to be surprised if we don't if we are relatively aligned on him. Now I think for him specifically we're not necessarily, but my point is is that 40 spot differences at this juncture of the ranking 
aren't as big as they might sound in terms of number. And I, I know I make this caveat a lot, but you know, you never know when people are coming in and out of pods and how many they listen to. So I, I like to reiterate that because it's just not the same as if you had a guy 20 and I had him 60. That's a colossal jump to me. 90 to 130, the talents can be closer. So you got him 90, I got him 130. You know my thing, I've, I've said it a million times. It's, it's the homers. He is a home run machine. And that's my problem. He's a 2.0 for his career in 225 innings. And that's why I struggle to really get him all that high, putting aside even the fact that, you know, his MLB high is 82 innings and, and all that. I'll just I'll just lean on the one point about the homers that I just can't get beyond with Eliezer Hernandez. Yet he's a, a the 90th guy for you, which, you know, for the depth of league that we play in says that you still have some some interest. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of interest. Uh, I I've. You know, when I saw his name on the list, I, you know, I wasn't really looking uh, real hard at the list. Like, I could have easily, I actually did think at first that you were the high guy. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're, going, we're doing another high I was like, why does Paul guy? like him so much? I was like, oh, wait, no, that's me. Um, I don't particularly like him, and I do think there's a reasonable chance that he's not even in the rotation. Yeah, um, I mean, they are, they are stocked. And, and if, so I you know, six goes back. Yeah, yeah. If six goes back, though, I mean, all the reports on him haven't been great. But Edward Cabrera's there, Braxton mm-hmm. Garrett's there, Cody Petit has, you know, been in the rotation at times. Uh, I mean, their AAA rotation is better than some major league rotations. No doubt, uh, they they really and they got some other guys coming that that people don't even Max know about. Meyer is, Max Meyer's Max is really really good. He's not on the forty man, and so you know, I think there's. It seems unlikely he's going to be up in time to help us in fantasy for the most part. I actually need to drop him in my ranks. but I actually think he'll be up for fantasy purposes this year, but I I just don't know. I'm not really... I mean, like, he's probably up in, like, late July, early August or something like that. If the Marlins are even competing, they may just decide to hold him down the entire time. If not. I, that's not how they operate, though. When guys right. are ready, yeah. they don't waste bullets. I could see, I could see June. I, I could really see June with Max Meyer, if not a little bit earlier. But he's not in to start. the The, the current rotation that we have penciled in is Alcantara, Rogers, Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, and Lazardo. So it looks like he is going to get an opportunity, which I do agree that there 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 should be the opportunity. But let's talk the skills, right? In addition to the 2.0 homer. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a 22% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. That's a decent little 15% strikeout minus walk. That's solid with an 11% swinging strike rate. Those those are for his career. He's had spikes beyond that. The 2020 season, even though it was just 25 innings, so it was a very tiny sample, but it really started to open some people's eyes. They're like, wow, look at where these skills can be at 32% strikeout, 5% walk. And of course, he still allowed 1.8 homers. He cannot get around the homer issue, and that's the part that's tough to square for me with Eliezer. I will say Steamer you know, says we're both off our rockers. They give him 140 innings with a 4.24 ERA and a 1.24 whip. Do you want to guess where that puts him among starters? Uh, top. Wait, say the numbers again. 4.24 ERA, 1.24 whip. And then based on the info that I gave you that, that Steamer thinks we're off our rockers. Yeah, I mean, I think that would put him as a top forty-five. It's pitcher. it's sixty-seven, mm-hmm. but that still surprised me that that 
that that kind of number yeah, like, those aren't bad numbers but and it's with the 24 percent strikeout rate too obviously i have to mention the strikeouts because that's part of the fantasy calculation mm-hmm. on the auction calculator that i'm looking at here that puts him at 67th that surprised me um i i, I will i will definitely say that I don't know. I, like, how do, how do you get around that? Like, what what are you expecting volume wise then? Because we haven't seen anything close to a full season from Eliezer. Where where do you think he can get to this year? And then what kind of numbers can he put up with whatever innings you're giving him? I mean, I think he could put up kind of similar, even maybe some better numbers than he put up last year. Um, of you know, in, in more innings. I don't think you can reasonably project him for more than a hundred. 210 and i think that's part of the problem uh, yeah at least as a projection he he you know has a good chance to to eclipse that eliezer could you know you could go 130 140 but i think a projection i have a hard time going that high i gotta go more in the in the low 100s range yeah and i think that that's probably right and i think when you start talking about that level of volume in spite of the fact that i think there's tremendous upside in the arm probably have to drop him outside of my top 100 um and i don't really have a problem doing that because just kind of looking at my top 100 like there are too many guys i actually kind of like and have drafted already uh more than him and it goes back to our battle test discussion about you know how we're ranking guys versus what we, where we draft them or, or where they think where we think they'll finish. And I think especially, and you actually in, interacted with somebody on Twitter about that because it's 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 a it's a great thing to debate. If if I were ranking them just exactly one to whatever and how I think they're going to finish, like there's no way that that consideration has to kind of stop for me around like 50. I don't know who's going to finish 74th. I'm trying to figure out where I want to draft them. There's no way you could ever have that kind of precision anyway, in my opinion. So I I think once you kind of get past a certain, and I don't know where the number is, maybe it's 30, maybe it's 40, I I don't know. But it's somewhere in that 30 to 50 range for me where I'm no longer just trying to rank them in in order of finish. Um, And I'm not really doing that much throughout the range. It's a draft list for me too. And we've talked about this a lot. It's a weird thing to talk about. Cause I understand why people push back and like, well, what do you mean? You, you, you know, you think you could finish here, but you, you draft him there. It's like, I don't want to deal with, with what comes with it. Right. There's, there's, there's the, there's the projection and then there's the baggage that it takes to get there too. I mean, and I so, think this came up when last time when we were talking about Herman Marquez, correct. And that is, you know, part of what we're talking about in terms of, you know, listen, I mean, do I think he's probably going to finish as a top 60 or maybe even top 50 starter? Yeah, absolutely. But how can I utilize him, you know, that way and make sure I'm not, you know, pulling my hair out? Like some of these ranks are, are my way of saying I'm not drafting these guys, but I can't like leave them off because then I get 74 questions on why I didn't mm-hmm. rank you know, Herman Marquez or, or, you know, some hitter. Um, so, uh, and I, I think that, yes, for some people, uh, it would be easier for us to rank based on like what we think end of season dollar values, but I don't think anybody drafts that way. No, because no, nobody's, you can't, because yeah. like 
there's just so many considerations, especially in the pitcher rankings with like health and like when guys are mm-hmm. going to come up. I just don't think you can do that with any sort of uh, degree of certainty that would make it worthwhile to try that endeavor. And and remember, too, like when you're looking at projections, whether it's Steamer or ACT or sorry, a- ATC uh, or the bat or, you know, whatever projection system you're going to use like that isn't necess- that is like the median outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that isn't like what you can necessarily bank. It's it's the fiftieth percentile outcome because there's a huge range. Every yeah, it's the, it's the safe. Range. You know, it, it, yeah. it's it's the safe idea of what of what they could do. It's you know, there's the, there's no top end, and then there's no there's no bottom end because obviously the bottom end is of course zeros from anybody because they could get injured. And you know, one of the things I think you and I both are doing. You know, I mean, I'll talk for myself, but I think you would probably agree this is what we do when we rank is, you know, maybe a guy like Marquez, you know, 50% outcome. uh, I would prefer to take the gamble on somebody else's 50% outcome. Yes. Because the chance of the 30% outcome is really, really scary for him. Because of Marquez's scare factor of his home park. You know, a, a couple of bad home starts against the Dodgers or even a couple of bad road ones against the Dodgers mess up some of the starts you're using. And, yeah, it can just go haywire. And then there's injury considerations that change guys. And, you know, his chance of reaching his 90th percentile is much lower because he's had four arm injuries in the last six years type deal. So, yeah, I, I think all those considerations go in and that's that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. Um, when we're trying to rank. So Eliezer, I knew he'd, I, I really had a feeling we were going to be pretty close on our thoughts on him <clears throat> despite the 40-point split, but I just wanted to bring him up to kind of get us started. Next one is well-trodden ground. Uh, but I promise it's not the meme. It's, I'm bringing up Kyle Gibson not for the meme, but because I really do want to see where you're at with him. Um, and I think I mislabeled these here. I put you at Yeah, no, I'm at 88. You're at 66. And my my only thing here, it, it's not to even like clown on him. It's more of when he went to Philly, he looked a, a lot more like the Cal Gibson we were kind of used to. And getting out of that Texas park, which which certainly does help pitchers and helped fuel that excellent first half that he had. Um, I think he just kind of goes back to who he is. And that's why I thought uh, top 66 or, or 66th ranking for your boy was a little was a little high for Kyle Gibson. Do you really think he can be a top 70 guy in Philly for a full year? I think he can. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's shown that uh, he, he's he's a, he's a good pitcher when the mechanics are clean. Um, yes, he struggled uh, when he went to Philly, but it, it wasn't like all home run issues. Uh, I think he just, you know, this is a instance in which a guy was working with a new catcher, uh, working a new park, going up against a lot of hitters he had never seen before, considering he's pretty he's pitched his entire career in the American League. Um, and there's a little bit of kind of an adjustment factor there. Um, you know, do should I probably have him uh, a little bit lower, all things considered? Yeah. Probably yeah, because it, in Texas, so here's the thing. Here's the beauty of this uh, with Cal Gibson, and you, it gives you a really good crystallization of of how variance works, and 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 the the softer luck factors can change things. He's basically the same pitcher in both, but with Texas, he had a 287 ERA because things kind of broke his way with left on base rate, and BABIP, and home runs, 
In Philly, things kind of went against him. He had a 427 Sierra, but a 509 ERA, and it was 448, 287 in Texas. I didn't say the Sierra there. So 448 versus 427 Sierra, which is skills independent ERA, uh, or skills interactive ERA, um, th those are pretty much the same. But the ERAs were vastly different because things kind of broke. I just think he's going to be like a mid, mid to high fours guy, and I just think that's who he is. Like – Okay. I mean, I I think he'll end up being more of a low fours, high threes kind of guy with, you know, a 20%, maybe a little bit higher than that uh, strikeout rate, you know, seven. Where's the whip going to be? Because uh, Steamer actually agrees with you on the ERA at 418. Again, I'm going to go more in like the 440 to 460 range personally, but they got a, they have a 138 whip. Which, so they're really harsh. I mean, I, I disagree because he's 153, why? 144, 130, 153, 150. He's a career 139. Yeah, but he was, I mean, even in Philadelphia when he was struggling and uh, getting some bad Babbitt luck. Uh, he, whoa, he whoa, was whoa, like, the Babbitt regressed. It was not bad luck. 291 Babbitt. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it, it regressed from, from when he was riding high in Texas personally. That's uh, how I see it. But it's still 129. So, like, I sure. think that is probably but that's a 69 inning sample which nice but <laughs> it runs counter to everything else he's done 67 innings in texas in 2020 153 144 for 160 innings 130 i feel like you should be nicer to a guy who wished you happy birthday hey that cameo i will i will cherish it forever i Kyle Gibson, put that in the audio here he, you're, you're the man kyle like seriously like what it seems like an amazing dude i would never have a crossword to say about him and that's the funny thing about this fantasy stuff is like we beat up on guys in the fantasy realm i would never be anything but super polite to him and tell him he's awesome because he's a cool dude and uh it, we've had so many fun memes with him but he's a 130 plus whip for sure for me from a projection standpoint. He might beat it, but I have to go in closer to Steamer at the 138 there. And then that big whip brings him down to 105, uh, SP 105. And I'm not, I'm not there, right? Obviously, I got him at 88. So I'm not, I'm not that down on him. But I, I do think I got to go a little bit higher on the whip. You know where I would actually maybe give him some love is I don't know. I actually still see some strikeout upside when he's cooking. He can really miss bats. That 2019 season, 23% strikeout rate, 13% swinging strike. I wonder if that's a, an avenue that Cal Gibson could overperform. I, I feel like, I know he's 34, right? So we're running out of time and, you know, old dog, new tricks. I still feel like he's a tweak away from like a strikeout per inning type capability. Call me crazy on that. I, that's, I do too. That's one of the upsides I do like about him. Is I, I, I think there's some swing I mean, and miss. He potential. showed that in 2019 when he was exactly like a strikeout inning guy. So... Um, I think part of it is he's not aggressive enough early in the count. Uh, oh, you okay. like his first pitch strike rate, um, and it, it's at fifty nine percent, which is a you know pretty big drop from the uh two seasons previous in twenty twenty mm -hmm. and twenty nineteen. So, I think he would need to get more aggressive in the count, which might lead to uh you know a few more home runs, which may be something he's trying to avoid. Uh you know, considering home runs have been an issue for him in the past. So uh, I, I think if if he were to get that aggressive, then it might be a problem, um, especially because you look at like his zone contact percentage last year and it was it was almost 90 percent. So uh, like, okay. when he's in the zone, 
that's uh that you know he gets hit um yeah i'm gonna drop him i did drop him i've dropped okay. him down to let's see i don't even know i've gotta fix my numbers but 187 uh, is where you put him 77 oh okay okay so i thought it's 110 spots lower than and that. actually bad. i'm gonna raise someone up above him so he's gonna be at 78 Okay. Okay. Um, I think we might have discussed this one, and I think you said you were moving him. It was in. It was in passing. We didn't like discuss him, but we mentioned Danny Duffy, mm-hmm. did, and, and you had seen because I'd, I'd had this rundown. Remember, I made the, you know, I had the brain fart thinking that I forgot to upload a pod, so I did the whole other rundown a day, a, a, a pod ahead. So you saw Danny Duffy's name on there. You had him at eighty six to my one fifty eight. I'm all injury concerned right now. I will I will alter him if we get some good news in the spring. But but I got a much lower. Where where did you lower him to? And then we can move on to uh, Chris Paddock. Uh, I'm lowered down to 108. Okay, that's fine. And I I could stand to move him up, but again, globs and there's tons of uh you know leeway there. Once we get word on some health, I'll gladly move him up right around where you got yeah, him. Once, in, uh, once he signs, higher. I'll feel a lot better. No no, isn't he still with? No, he's a free agent. Oh, I thought he I thought they got him on a two year. So they just took the gamble that they could get mm-hmm. him healthy and yeah. it just didn't work. OK, yeah, no, he, he he's a free agent. Um, and so my big concern is nobody signs him. And yeah, that that is a concern. He's kind of off my board, which I probably should just drop him. That's why I got him farther. I'm um, never drafting him right now. Yeah, I'm never drafting him either unless it's like extremely, extremely late. Um, it would literally have to be round 50 for me. Yeah. Yeah, it would probably have to be, you know, round 40 something for me as well until we see him sign somewhere, which we won't until the CBA stuff is worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, OK, that's Danny Duffy. Let's move over to Chris Paddock. You got him at 83 to my 138. He was somebody I mentioned on the last episode about the nature of globs, uh, specifically uh, referencing our split on him and how, yes, that's a that's a big split there. But but the talent between those those two periods isn't crazy. That said, though, he's a guy that I lean away from. So that that's the thing. When you are attacking the globs, you you. you you do your assessments on on the on the guys you want to take the chances on. For me, still a two pitch guy, uh, who has control but not much command. He he is a great characterization of the difference between those two things, and with no third pitch in sight, I just think 2019 is 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 going to remain the high water mark, and I, I can't really get him. I can maybe get him a little bit higher than 138, but but I I really can't do a whole lot beyond that. And I will say, steamer. Again, slapping us around saying they like, oh, wait, hang on, never mind. They have them relieving. They have them for 78 innings, um, half relief, half starting. Huh. So they, 383 ERA, 119 whips. So they, <laughs> they think they it's going to be really rates. disappointing to the point where he gets put in the rotation, yeah, 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 takes yeah, it exactly. out of the rotation, and then he becomes good. But uh, I saw 68 at, at SP, and I was like, weird. damn, they love him. That's a weird projection. That is a really weird projection. Uh, so, I, yeah, what, what, what's the future here? He's 26. This is a turning point season in my in my opinion. Yeah, I do. I think that's true. I think um, as much as I think he will stay in the rotation uh, for for the entire season, uh, because I think he's going to start to rebound uh, a little bit uh, more and more. Um, I, he definitely could find himself back in AAA. He could find himself, uh, 
in in the bullpen if they just decide listen your two pitchers are great we love your two pitches but until you get a third one you can't start for us um maybe he can be their closer we were talking about their closer situation off air yeah, maybe it's Pat. We we said actually Lamet, a guy. We're I think Lamet should be the yeah. guy. I mean that that's who I would be putting in the ninth, but um, I, I don't get to make the decisions in San Diego. Uh, but yeah, I, I like. I, I still believe in Paddock. I, I don't okay. think what he did in 2019 is a fluke. I, I like the fact that he kind of brought back down the home run rate this season. Uh, you know, he's got a do better about not giving up such hard contact when he does give up contact. I think he needs to get out of the zone a little bit more uh, because, you know, 81%, almost 82% zone contact percentage uh, is pretty hard stuff when it is hit. So, but I do think that there is uh, a guy with uh, a guy with his talent. Like there's always a chance that he figures it back out. Now the question is, is he healthy? Yes, like there was like a slightly torn UCL, right? Um, or a UCL sprain is how they characterize it, but a sprain is a tear. Um, exactly, it's just so about I, severity. Where did I have him? You say eighty-three on the list that I had. I don't know if that's yeah. Exactly he's he's still he at eighty-three on my list. Um, I think he's got to drop just injury-wise. I think that's fair, and you know there is some concern about him starting. Uh, related to, and I know you know you're gonna you're gonna go with Paddock over this guy because you, you believe in Paddock, but they got Nick Martinez in there coming over from overseas with uh, you know some some Miles Michaelas, uh, Josh Lindblom hype, and and I know the Lindblom hype didn't pan out, but I I, I would say that health has been the major reason there, not talent so much. And Michaelis has been good uh, a lot of the time. Health has also bitten him, and we'll see what he can do coming back this year. But but uh, Nick Martinez, coming back over from, from several years overseas, we got him penciled into a spot with Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevenger. There's plenty of opportunity. He's going to get starts this mm-hmm. year, Chris Paddock, is there's no doubt about it. If Nick Martinez flops, himself, yeah. he goes in right away. Clev Dog is a health risk. Uh, Darvish is older. Um, Snell has even had, you know, some some injury issues as well. I think Musgrove's the the best bet for 200 innings there, but then everybody else is kind of not, in not on our list. But um, where do you have Clevenger? I've got Clev Dog. I got I got Clev Dog a lot higher than I thought. I have him at 65. Oh, okay, that's not. When you said that, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna have him in his top 40. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got him at 75. Which means I will not be getting him anywhere. Yeah, well, especially if people pay attention to Steamer. Holy crap. I mean, I just don't. They love him. What is this? I don't understand. Like, I mean, I get like he's had like quite a bit of time since his TJ surgery. But like, have we not learned anything like about TJ returning guys? Like, um. Well, I think last year was the return, though. Right? He, he didn't pitch. He, oh, wait. Sorry. That's 2020 that he had 40 innings. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he didn't you're right. pitch at all. Like, he's yeah, not yeah. even you know, like... You know how I feel about TJ returns. Yeah, I, mean, I thought he, last year like, was... Like, at least uh, Syndergaard and Severino had innings. Yeah. yeah. Even just two. You know how I feel about guys yeah. finishing the season on the field. And, uh, yeah, that is concerning. He's come And, you know, he spiked the big 200-inning season in 2018, Clevenger did. And I, I loved that. But he's been a health concern every other year. He's had health issues. 
And so he's just going to magically come back and, and be great. Now, Steamer only gives him 138 innings, but they think he gets right back to being a god. 28% strikeout, 348 ERA, 119 whip. That That's puts him projections though. And I mean, because I mean, they don't have any other reference. Yeah, they don't they don't factor the injury. They're just going off of his historical. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's no way I mean, that I would buy that he I mean, he could obviously, you know, I mean, we, sure, sure, sure. But we, we don't want to say that for sale, like, anybody could anything. But we're talking yeah. about what's likely to happen. Just, you know, because because then you can counter anybody with that with. Oh, yeah, he could. Because look yeah. what happened to Robbie Ray. He became a god out of nowhere. You know, we, we, if we get bogged well, down no, in that, well, then we'll never make People are going to point to Sale last year and be like, look, Sale was amazing right away. Clevenger is not Chris Sale. He's, I, he's been good, but he ain't no Chris Sale. Like, and I I'm, I know you're higher on Verlander than I am. I'm, at least I'm, I I feel like you will be. Um, yeah, I, I basically just cut out the – I'm, I'm like already believing in him. I'll make my assessment in Oh, March. you haven't – you didn't even rank him? No, no, no. I'm saying like oh, I've okay. already done like my full belief. He's at 21 for me. Like I, I have oh him way God. high. Yeah. Like I'm Why already didn't saying. Why did talk like, about that last episode? <laughs> That's insanity. No, it's not. It's great. It's great ranking. I'll move him up. I'll move him up right now. Just 21 for yeah. Justin Verlander? Right. I mean the only part I love about that is the fact that he's got an 80 grade first name. But that's. Here's the thing. I don't have to, I don't have to draft him there. Where do you think he's going in the market? He's going around 150. Yeah, but pitcher like pitcher 40. I have him at 57. And he's that... gonna be he's gonna be right where I have him the second he's throwing high 90s in spring. You know that he's he's the prototypical I, I guy for that. I absolutely know that, and I will have no. It will not be on any of my teams. None. Like just, I cannot. Like the guy I would take the most often, and this is not including um, ADP. Though I should raise him up to reflect this, is I would rather have Luis Severino than all those other TJ returning guys. Mm, yeah, he threw the most innings. He sure, looked good. Sure. He's never been bad. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not anti Severino. In fact, and he's uh, going the latest. I think. I don't, no, actually, I, I guess he's not. I think I he's he a guy that I definitely need to. Uh, to do my deep dive on and see if maybe I just want to jump the line with him to Verlander style and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and rank him as though he's, you know, because some guys you play wait and see with others, you, you have a little bit more confidence in like, like I've taken out the wait and see with Verlander. I could cautiously rank him around 40 or 50. I'm betting now. I guess, I guess part of that though is, is, is stylistic because I'm not drafting him at 21. So I'm ranking him there to say I have a belief, like I'm ready. I, I, I'm going to buy back in, and then if we get bad news in February or March, I will obviously adjust immediately. But I'm ready to take the plunge early, and again, it hasn't come at that cost. It's been around pitcher 40 or 50 area. Yeah, which uh, I, I think him. is is fine. Um, I you know It's hard because there is always, you know going back to just talking about how, how to rank and how we rank, like it's always hard because like I know like I know I moved him down. I can't remember where I moved him down, but Cal Quantrill I had it forty four when we started talking last episode, right? Mm-hmm. I never had to take him at forty four. Exactly, and so and, and that's you know, like you said, it becomes it, it makes that that draft is, list versus ranking difficult. But what it does for me, and the reason I keep guys high like that, is it puts them on my radar, mm-hmm. and that says when I'm ready to like when I'm comfortable drafting them, and so I want to make sure that I'm not. 
like when I do a cross off list, I want Verlander up there. And even if I bypass him for two rounds saying like, okay, he's the top guy, but here we are at, you know, only SP 23 has gone off the board. I don't need to take him, skip around. And then we come back next round SP 28. Okay. I can skip one more, but I'm considering him at, at those junctures. Like, do I want to take the plunge now? And that's what you're doing with Quantrill. You're saying I can keep looking here. I'll, I'll punt another spot. Ooh, wait, this guy's a Cal Quantrill uh, lover as well in my draft. Maybe I do have to take him two rounds earlier in this draft because, you know, Tommy Two Cents over here really likes him as well. And and here's the thing. So I think that's fine, especially if you're like me and you do a lot of drafts. Um, for your early drafts, for your, your less important drafts, um, something I'm going to institute this year, and it's, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot kind of after draft season last year and then really have been thinking a lot recently coming into draft season this year is when it gets to my most important drafts, which are typically, you know, closer to the start of the season, um, I'm going to not play the ADP game. Because what we're doing with a guy like Quantrill or, you know, for you, Verlander, is we're saying this is where I have him ranked, but ADP tells me I can likely get him another round or two rounds or five yes. rounds. Mm -hmm. And what happened to me last year, and this is something someone asked in the draft chat uh, room that we're in, in our draft um, is why I didn't end up with Cedric Mullins last year in the main events. You got jumped is because people followed my work and they knew where I like Mullins. And so they jumped me in order to get them. Yeah. I uh, get them. And so this year, I'm going to be much more aggressive in those drafts and really uh, stick to my ranks much more aggressively as opposed to taking gambles that guys will be a, a round, a round later, two rounds later, five rounds yeah. later. If you're ready at the round, mm -hmm. right? And there's always a cutoff where it's silly, right? Nobody's saying, you know, take Scott Barlow in the fifth round because you yeah. think he can be closer five. This Don't take year. Nick Martinez in round 10. Yeah, like you can think that those guys are going to break out. That's cool, but you know you don't have to do that. But with guys like a Verlander and even a Quantrill, and they're not on the same level, but Quantrill has his backers and his backers are avid, you can get in a room where somebody's also going to take him four rounds over ADP. And that's another tough part about ADP is because people just look at that one number. you got to look at that min. And like once what's you start, the worst case that can happen for you? And if you're going to play in big money leagues like NFBC or if you're in – like leagues uh, with your home, with your buddies, and that's your mm -hmm. most important leagues. Like you can use ADP as a guideline, but you can also throw it out and just go, listen, I want to, if there's someone you want to leave a draft with, go get them. I want the team I want. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to be aggressive there at times. And people get so hung up on like, I left three rounds of value on the table. What does that mean? What does that even mean? The the it means literally nothing. Well, really, it means nothing once we leave the draft. Like Exactly. It like, means nothing once the draft, like, like once that round is over. It's like, if you are comfortable at the pick that you're considering, take the player. Absolutely. You can be mindful of ADP, but do not be at its mercy. Mm -hmm. And I know a min pick can, I, I, I want to expound a little bit more on that min pick thing, because I'm not saying that's where you take the guy, right? Somebody took uh, Sal Perez at 13. That's his min pick. Yeah. I'm not saying that everyone who loves Sal Perez this year should start considering him first round. Cause I'm sorry, there's just no justification for that. Cause he's not putting up 161 games again with 46 homers. But 
you can be three, four, five rounds higher than an ADP if you believe in that guy there and you're ready to go. Yeah, I think absolutely. five five is probably about my. It, it, it all depends. I don't even want to say a number because it all depends. And when you get later in the draft, all bets are off. Once pick like one fifty hits tenth round for a fifteen teamer, all bets are off. I, I I I'm I'm getting the guys I want, and I do not. You know, I, I can imagine how crushing it was for you to not leave your mains with Mullins because he was he was such a big guy for you, and you wanted to have. That's why I got Cronenworth and Walsh because if they had broken out and it wasn't on my team, it would have been so upsetting, even if the guys I'd taken in their stead had been fine. And so I got both. They did happen to both play well. And I won. And by the way, that makes it sound like because I took two guys I liked, I won my league. No, it took a lot more than that. But I, I came out of that draft with the team I really, really wanted. I was so happy with virtually all of the players I took because I adhered to the draft plan that I had in, you know, in front of me, not what ADP was telling me to do. Here's, here's some fun with min picks. Speaking of Justin Verlander, what do you think Justin Verlander's min pick is so far draft season? Um, this is on NFBC for those who are wondering. 50. No. I said min pick. Wait, somebody's picked him higher than pick 50? Oh, yeah. Because I thought, I thought for a second you thought I meant like pitcher 50. <laughs> um, Are you fucking... I, I swear this wasn't me, by the way. Uh... Uh, pick 30 21 that's okay was it kate upton did she start i I don't know who it was but i hope it's one of those scenarios like we talked about with dalton varsho last year when someone took him 31st where the guy fell asleep or something like that and and he Um, just had verlander in his queue to like don't forget about him and then accidentally got got stuck with it here's another fun one that that will not be broken this uh draft season at least at least i hope not uh, Adam Wainwright, where do you think, what do you think his min pick is? Oh God, I've, I've seen this one and I, I don't know it exactly, but I've, I've seen it and it, I, I threw up all over my computer when I saw it. Isn't it like 46th or something? 34. Oh my goodness. Like that's not even an auto draft from the queue because they don't rank them that high. No. So that again has to be someone manually putting them into the queue or just manually picking him. I think it's someone putting him in the queue, like, hey, maybe this is a sleeper. No, it's somewhat someone just like drafted by last year's stats and went. Yeah, they just might have, like, they just might have bought in. 17 wins, 305 ERA, 106. (laughs) And I guess those would be some examples of what we're talking about where you take it too far, right? Like, you can be a very aggressive on Justin Verlander, who's currently at pick 116 on average. Like, if you take him at the pick 50, the first one I said, yeah, that would be a statement. But I don't think that's egregious. I do think 30 picks higher than that at pick 21 or you know, about 30 picks. I, I think that's egregious. And, and same with like the Sal Perez one and the Wainwright one. There's plenty of wiggle room to believe in them and be the, the Sal Perez Wainwright person without doing that. Because that leaves draft that leaves value on the table in terms of the players that you passed on. It's the opportunity cost of the players you passed on when you still could get your guy uh, a round or two later. Uh, anyway, this is I mean just uh, for reference. I don't know if you've seen this on the player pages on NFBC. They've got a little uh, plot chart of where Ooh. their uh, where their picks. Oh are. yeah, yeah, I've seen these. Um, yes, yes, yes. And these like are great. the next lowest pick for Adam Wainwright was 105. Oh, so that was just like a stark outlier. Yeah, like it's, they don't even have that plot 
on his or that dot on his plot chart because of that. <laughs> JB's just... not quite as similar because that's so so stark. But his next smallest is in the seventies. So that was one person kind of stepping out. And again, it's just it's just unnecessary. So great call on that too, by the way, because I said utilize the min pick. This is a better way to do that. Find the not the min, but maybe the 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 grouping that is better than the ADP by a decent bit. And that's like I probably need to take Verlander in in the 70 to 90 range to consistently get him if I wanted him across all my teams. I don't, by the way. I just want him on some teams. But um, yeah, I think that that chart, and all you do is click the player name on NFBC. That that's a great call out for that chart because that was I, I I've never really used that. I've seen those. They but just that, instituted last year. Um, there's a lot of value great. in those. There, there is. Um, there's a lot of value in yeah. those. All right, back to the pitchers. So uh, Lance McCullers. Now he's hurt. Yeah, you got again. I, I put him in reverse order again, like a dummy. You got him forty. I got him fifty-one or whatever, fifty-four. Um, obviously, injury is my reasoning. So I still got him at fifty-four. I'm not fully out. This is a guy I've liked, uh, despite knowing that I can only plan usually for like 125 innings. Well, he spiked 162 last year, so that was cool. But I'm still going to plan for about 130 this year. That's the projection I'm putting on him. I still got him in my top sixty. 40 was a little robust for me just because he did finish the season hurt. And I, and I'm nervous given his history. Um, are you drafting? I, I'm not, I'm not going to say, do you believe in him there? Cause yeah, I, we, we both, both like the talent, but when we got news in early December that he's not, he's not even going to start throwing for about a month, which actually coincidentally is about right now. So I don't know if there's been any news yeah, in the last few days. right now. Okay. And I don't see anything as of yet, but so it did say about a month. So maybe the next week or so was when he was supposed to be able to start throwing again. Are you taking Lance McCullers in that, in that area of your drafts right now? Uh, in that area? No. Um, but, I have drafted him in, in this draft we're in. He is my SP four or five. Okay, and his ADP is closer to mine. So mm -hmm. it is one of those situations where you leave him ranked 40, and when it comes up, you just mental note each time, like, okay, it's the McCullers zone now, mm -hmm. and then you pick him when you're comfortable. And so, yeah, I, I forgot you that you actually got him in this draft. Round 16, I have zero issue with that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was – Pick, let's see, around 16. Uh, That's past 231. So, uh, Wait, yeah. what? Is that right? Did I do, did I do my Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you, you crushed it. You crushed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that that is uh, – um, that's a that's a good that's a good yeah. pick slot right there. Um, and, I mean, it helps too. Yeah, so he was my SP4. Uh, but it also helps that my, you know, my one through three or guys I have is top 18 starters so i mean i conceivably have three you know sp1s um you know or close to sp1s uh and then my sp4 is is my color so like i'm you not necessarily you know really bank like relying upon him to, exactly uh to you, you built team. a rotation to take him and we yeah. talk about this all the time the puzzle pieces and how they fit and and uh where players fit in different builds you got a nice bargain though i was gonna say maybe his adp is really skyrocketing from that december 5th news it did move up for sure but not crazily and if you look at the previous seven drafts before ours um he went like 180 or lower 
uh, including as low as 131, and you got him 231. So you really like this room was not keen on McCullers, yeah, he, and so he you finally said, there, "Fine." Yeah, exactly. He hung out there for for a really, really long time, and I considered I, him with both my Urquidy and Savali picks. But you know, mm-hmm. I like both of them a little bit better. Yeah, I, I kind of have soured a little bit on Urquidy this off season. I, I had Urquidy higher. Um, but I uh, have, have dropped him recently, and I, I'm definitely not as high on Savali as you are. Uh, actually, if you're creating Savali, like, right near each other, 61 and, and 66. Um, I could definitely move McCullers down a little bit, uh, maybe, and I probably should. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could, but again, I don't I don't find that egregious. If anything, it's, it's a, somewhat akin to my Verlander one, where you're cutting out the wait time you're saying i'm ready to take the gamble and hope that i get the good news and then if i don't i'll pivot right yeah because like, you're not I'm, overpaying for him right now like especially you got right now i'm not going to draft him though at 44 or wherever i had him. No, 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 i no, dropped no. him to 47 okay um, yeah so like i said it turns on the siren when you reach sp 47 the mccullers siren and then you consider him each round you're like is this is this the time no no and you were able to wait freaking forever in this job i'm almost regretting not getting him now i didn't realize how low he was seeing i'm happy with my pitchers including those two those arcadian uh, Cervelli, two of my guys but dang you gotta you gotta bargain dude that was a nice pick i mean with uh mccullers jr all right uh Hawaskari noah i put these in the right order you're 51 i'm 85 this is one of those like i want i kind of want to be sold I'd, I'd like to be uh you know sold to push him up but I have concerns, and you know it's a little bit paddocky, uh, ped, ped, you know, paddocky in, um, in that two pitch guy showed you know how how it can look at, at its best. He he was pretty good for ninety one innings this year. Although when he came back, there was some trouble, and it ended up pushing the ERA over four at four oh five. But a three sixty two Sierra, one eleven WHIP, home runs were a bit of an issue, but control, great strikeout rate. It's something to build on, but I felt like 51 was a little high for a guy coming off just a 91-inning uh, run there, basically half a season. Is that enough to almost be top 50? And for me, it wasn't, but I, I'm open to the fact that maybe I'm too low on 85 and maybe we meet closer to the middle there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who uh, has a great walk rate. Um, there's going to be a ton of strikeouts. Uh, I think he can be an asset in pretty much every category. I think the main question for me is he healthy. Uh, you know, he was taken off the roster uh, in the NLCS because of a shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. You know, after punching the wall and breaking his hand, that cost him yeah, most that, of that half season. Oh, that's was so frustrating because I had him brutal in many dude. places. Um, but yeah, if he's healthy, which I think he, I think the last report I saw was that he was fine, that he, they expect him to be fine and ready for spring training. Um, I think he has a, you know, a roster spot or a rotation spot locked up. And I think he can be uh, a real difference maker. And again, one of these situations where I don't think I have to necessarily take him where I have him, uh, uh, where I have him ranked. He's currently going uh, pick 236 uh, mm-hmm. since December 1st in draft champions league. So uh, that's a, uh, that's a pretty decent price. I've already got him in a couple leagues. Um, our boy uh, uh, Nick Pollock, 
uh, is a huge fan, uh, really pressured me at oh. first pitch Arizona to take him. Uh, and I, I, I listened to, to Nick cause he's, uh, he's a really smart individual. Um, he and is. the more I've dug in, would I like to see him start throwing that change up a little bit more? Uh, yes, I absolutely would. Um, but, uh, I think he can make what he has work for him, at least in the short term. I was impressed during the 90 inning run this year, this, 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 this breakout half season that uh, he he had like a reverse platoon. He was better against lefties. He's a right-hander despite the two pitches. And a lot of times with two-pitch guys, they usually have a platoon issue. Um, you know, fastball slider, they can run those sliders away from the handedness that, that they are. And then fastballs, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But 662 OPS against lefties, 732 against righties. So that part was actually kind of uh, impressive. And if he can improve against righties, maybe cut the homers a bit, they got nine off of him in 207 plate appearances. Uh, that would be that would be interesting for his career also, by the way. He has uh, only, only a few more innings, 115 and two-thirds total. So the 91 is doing most of the work. But he has maintained that that platoon where he's been better been better against lefties. So that part helps. I guess my, my concern was kind of the, the two pitch arsenal paired with the, the health. But if, if we are thinking that he's going to be good to go from jump street, then I, I, I could probably come up off of 85 because I, I like the player. I liked him last year. I was really excited about the breakout. I was advocating to buy into it, uh, relatively early. You know, he kind of had that first couple of great starts it's like who's this guy and it's like oh wait you know there's some legitimacy here and then he popped that 10 uh, it was yeah it was the 10 strikeout game he threw five shutout against washington and we're like hmm let's see what that's about then 10 strikeouts and yeah it was against miami but it was great and then i remember he gave up the six earned against the cubs and i was like ah see i knew he was he was you know flashing the pan but then he took off again and he was great until he freaking broke his hand punching a dang wall that was so frustrating. So annoying. Um, I am going to drop him a little bit just because. Uh, and I'm going to move him up. So the, I, got, the, I got my wish. I'm going to put him like up. right at the top of my injury tier. Okay. Um, So that drops him from wherever I had him down to 55. Okay. I moved him up to 73. Um, But I, I just, I can't rationalize dropping him below some of those. Injury risk, guys, though. I am going to move Mr. Ranger Suarez up. Uh, so, because I, 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 the more and more I dig in a Ranger Suarez, the more and more I really dig him. Me too. I'm a Ranger Suarez guy. You, you invoked the name of Nick Pollock earlier. Mm-hmm. He hates him. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, but his big takeaway is how easy that schedule was, which I grant. I mean, I, I, I don't have to grant. It's a stone cold fact. But I don't think that a schedule alone can produce like that kind of numbers without there being some some skill there, like some some legitimate skill. And uh, I'm 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 in like I, and I don't think I think his pricing has stabilized a bit, too. It was pretty high initially. He dropped at our draft. That's what I'm saying. And he's he's started he's started to to push up because there has been a pushback on Ranger Suarez that has created some better pricing. Didn't he go what he went to 225? No, let's see. That's our draft. I think our our draft is the last. He went in the 13th round. So beginning of the 13th round. Okay, so then that isn't our no no, that was on one never mind. Yeah, yeah. So I'll take that. Yeah, I would. Um, I I would pay that. Like when when draft season was like first starting, 
he was in like the 120s or no no excuse me excuse me excuse me 130s 150s at range yeah the only reason so, i didn't take him the previous two rounds is because austin meadows dropped and nelson cruz i felt like it was just too good of a bargain in the 12th round to, to pass up yeah i agree um but I, I i like i do like suarez so okay that closes the book on uh Oscar and noah we both moved him a little bit it's kind of what i figured would happen next i didn't think we'd be too far off on the talent if he comes in healthy i think i'll move him in a little bit more as long as we get that full clearance but i agree we haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise so that's fair um back to the astros luis garcia this is the starting pitcher, Luis Garcia, not the hitter and not the relief pitcher. Have fun <laughs> looking him up and picking the right one on Fangraphs uh, or Baseball Reference. It's it's impossible. Uh, but the pitcher, Luis Garcia, uh, the, the starting pitcher, I should say, was really good. And we all know Paul caught a fat L thinking mm-hmm. that he's going to be rotated out for Louis for Christian Javier. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. It never happened. I just kept thinking it would, and they didn't. And it's not because I was ever against Luis Garcia. I, I want to keep reiterating that because it makes it sound like I had a negative take on him. I you didn't. Him. I just thought it would be an innings protection situation. The things but you then, said off air about Luis Garcia <laughs> yeah, were just yeah, unfair. Totally. But they gave him a buck fifty-five on the heels of a twelve-inning season, and there you go. That's just a perfect encapsulation of how all pitchers aren't created equally, and you. you it's what makes this so difficult, right? Because you would have never said a 24-year-old coming off of a 12-inning, you know, weird season with having never, you know, pitched above high A in the minors was going to come up and throw 155 innings of excellent baseball. And that's part of the beauty of the game, though, and, you know, watching things play out that are completely unexpected. But you've got him at 37. I got him at 63. I'm planning for a little bit of pullback on the season that we just saw, whereas you're almost fully in, it seems. I am. I I am fully in. I just, I am so impressed. And he's one of these guys where, like, I, I know the some of the underlying numbers are going to point to regression, and I'm sure you're going to uh, cite, you know, some of the ERA indicators, um, you know, a little bit of a kind of drop-off in the second half. Uh, you probably should have been removed. Huh? He probably should have been removed from the rotation. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, wonder if anybody thought about that. I, I didn't hear anybody talking. I heard about, nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, no, nothing. Uh, and I love how I, I I actually get finally get him on the third try, trying to figure out which one he is in in Fangraphs. <laughs> but um, I uh, I mean, one he goes really deep into games. I, I love that. Um, you know, he's uh, he's gonna you know. Great uh, strikeout rate, great um, whip. Like I just, I think he is the real deal. Um, and I, I don't, you know. And when you watch him pitch, the eye test like backs up everything that yeah. he does. I think he's a difficult guy to pick up. Um, I love uh, his motion on the mound. I'm like, there's not much here where I go, maybe there is some regression, but if they let him go 155 after going 12 innings the year before, like he's a legit candidate to push towards 200. Um, and, and I think he can do that with, you know, probably like a mid to probably like a mid three ZRA and uh, a boatload of strikeouts. And I don't know what's not to like here. 
So it's kind of a, re a replication of this past year because that's what he had, 348 with a 118, uh, 167 strikeouts and 155 innings. You're saying put some more volume on that, and that's what I like. Go, 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 Luis Garcia. And, you know, he had a little bit of an up-and-down playoff. Uh, I mean, he had the the two duds, and you're like, what's what's up with this dude? But then bounced back with that one hit uh, uh, showing against the – Red Sox in the ALCS. He was all right in game three of the World Series and then beat up in, in, in game six. But still saw a lot to love out of Garcia. You know, I, I got to be honest. I was surprised that the steamer projection is, is so tough on him, particularly with the whip at 130. Uh, the 429 ERA. I, like, yeah. I, sometimes I don't get how they come to. <laughs> well, and I, I don't either. And, and part of the reason I I, I – I kind of spot check some some guys, especially like when you and I have a big disagreement. I'm like, well, where where are the projections here? Let's see, you know, do I need to do I need to reassess myself? And I don't just use it as like confirmation bias, I'm like, oh, oh, the projections agree with me, so I'm I'm good here. But they had him at 74, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm not too far off. But you know, if you're going to use the projections to to look there, you should probably look at what the projection was. I just looked at the ranking before we started the uh, mm -hmm. the pod, and I was like, oh, they're they're pr they're pretty near where I am. I'm still higher at 63. But they had him at 74. Um, what what I'm confused by, though, are those numbers. And if those mm -hmm. numbers, 429, 130, get him to SP74, then I want to move him up from SP63. Yeah. Because I think that, okay, they have Tyler Molly at SP63. Let's see what that yields. That's a 425, 129 to them. I, I, I don't agree with that either, by the way. That's a different story. I just story. don't but know I'm where they come up. With, with the home run rate, right? The home run rate, the whip, like that. that yeah, yeah, the whip too. Well, they're just saying some hits and walk regression. The walk regression I can get. He was at eight percent last year. They got him going to nine percent. He was a double digit guy throughout the minors. I could see some whip I, regression sure. via okay. the walk rate, but into the one twenties for me, not necessarily to yeah, one thirty. Like, the home run rate I don't get. That Why is he going to put up a one four? He, he put up a one ten last year give up. and yeah. never gave up homers in the minors. Yeah, like I, I don't. So why under... would Luis Garcia all of a sudden start giving up at I a mean, one four? Like, if you want to regress him to like, like let's say his Sierra, and be like, okay, he, you know, he's going to be a three ninety five ERA guy with, um, like a one twenty five whip. Like that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I and I can understand that. Like, okay, I disagree. I don't think he's going to regress that far. Mm -hmm. But like, that still makes him a top fifty-ish starter, probably. Especially yeah. if he's striking guys out at, you know, a I don't know twenty-five percent clip. No, I, and I I think there's no reason to believe they shouldn't be able to continue doing it. I mean, he had a 13% swinging strike rate this past year for Luis Garcia. Uh, he was a swing and miss God in the minors. Like that's the most stable part of this profile. So if the ratios do hold strong, uh, watch out. Like that, that's it's golden there. Now he does have a fly ball lean. That's probably where the home run spike comes from. But man, I just, I don't know where he's going to be. I, I don't know why he's going to start giving up 140 or 1.4 homers per nine. Why that has to be the projection when uh, he's had such quality home run suppression to date. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I actually moved him up quite a bit. I've actually got him now at 48. There you go. I'm I'm in. I'm yeah. in. This was a guy I you know I wanted to believe in him, and I I think my initial initial ranks. I wish I could find those. I I should always like I update the same page. I, I wish I would either track with the number that they're going 
from too, or just save each individual file. Because I think when I started my very first ranking, I think I had them right around where you did. And then I moved them way down thinking like, oh, you're overdoing it, chill out. And uh, now I'm moving them way back up. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm I have them at 36 right now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm joining you pretty close. And, I'm not, not right there, but I'm, I'm close. And I think I could make the argument that he should be above Darvish, who I have at 35. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, Darvish, other end of the age spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to think the sticky stuff had a role when it coincides so well yeah. with uh, with plus when he injury. fell off. Yeah, plus the the health piece. So yeah, I just I, talked I, myself into it. Or well, you just talked me into it. <laughs> I I don't even I don't even hate that, and I'm I'm actually uh, bumping him down closer to Kershaw, who obviously also has massive health issues. But I'll put those two together. Yeah, I've got Kershaw way lower. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, all right, next up, Shane Boz, mm -hmm. twenty-nine to forty-five. Uh, with with Shane Boz here, let's start not with the skills because I don't think either of us question this. I love both Shanes. Um, there's a good chance I will have roster, uh, you know, be rostering both Shanes. I've already rostered McClanahan in two drafts, so I will have probably some Boz. I need to know where your numbers are, though, because for 29, I think he's got to get a lot more innings than I'm thinking he gets. And this is where I do I do come out with Steamer on this. I think they're, they're 118. I think that makes a, a decent bit of sense. That's around the range I'm at. So where, where are your innings for Boz? Uh, I have him at about 130. And okay. I didn't realize how high I had Boz. He's got to come down, unfortunately. Ugh. That hurts. Um, yeah, because I look at McClanahan's 123 this year, and I kind of use that as a model for what yeah, I think that, Boz that, can that do. That probably is a good model. Um, I, you know, and I mean, as much as like the Rays' rotation isn't like filled with studs or anything, it's full. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it is filled. It's not filled um, with studs, but it is filled, like you say. Like they, they're signing Kluber makes it a potential chance that Boz doesn't start the year in the rotation. Because they know they can't get 30 starts out of him, so they had to well, have... And they can hold down his service time. Exactly. It's a, it's a whammy. It's what a double whammy. Of, yeah, of, uh... So, yeah. Uh, talent alone, he probably should be in the top 30, but... Um... Yeah, no, if I can't give him 150 innings, which I don't think I can reasonably do, it can't be in my top 30. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm going to put him... Uh, da -da, 43. Okay, yeah, then uh, we're, we're right by each other then. Like yeah. We, we're in lockstep then. Because again, I'm not questioning the skills at all. Um, I think he's an absolute beast. Saw him at Fall League a few years ago, and he was the talk of the town. Yep. He's here. He's ready. I mean, he obviously looked great in his you know three-start stint, but he was great in the minors this past year. Now, if somebody he, gets injured, um, or we have reason to believe by like what the team is saying mm -hmm. um, that he's going to be in the rotation uh, day one, I could conceivably move him up quite a bit, um, but... Right now, I think there is a chance, and I don't necessarily want to say a good chance, but I think there is a chance he doesn't start the year in the majors, that they hold him down 
you know, until mid-May or I'm going to double down with you. I'm going to say there is a good chance yeah. because, in, again, unless CBA changes, that's our that's our standard caveat, obviously. But as presently constructed, I think there's a strong chance that he's not in the majors in April for yeah. sure. And then beyond that, we'll kind of see where it goes uh, because they have enough to start the season with, again, barring an injury. But we'll see. So, yeah, that's where we're at on Boz. It's not about the talent. But in draft and holds, you really have to think about the entire year. Mm -hmm. So if you think – and I'm talking directly to you but also to the to other folks. If you think he's a top 30 pitcher when he comes up or for the 130 innings that he does pitch, then you can justify taking him, mm -hmm. you know – even above ADP by by a, a round or two because of, of the nature of the 50-round draft nulls. Not everything has to be as perfectly linear of like... Or if um, you're in a league where you can roster, like, you know, in Yahoo, they've got those NA slots. Yes, where yes, you can, you put can a just guy, protect him. Yeah, you can just protect him while he's there and then Bingo. have that spot. Or if you're in leagues with deep benches, like, you know, like the 50-round draft and holds. Um, or, uh, you know, just regular home leagues that might have a deeper bench. Uh, it's yeah, just hard draft. if you have, like, I know ESPN's, like, standard is, three. like, three. But you can't, I don't think you can draft them in that league. Then. Yeah. Because well, they're 10 team to start. Yeah, it, they're really hard. I mean, even if it's a 15 team league, like, there's, it becomes so hard knowing that you're going to have to hold that guy and just wait. And mm -hmm. with the Rays, you never know. Like, the exactly. Rays are a type of team, like, if they just make the decision that, hey, it's in our financial best interest that he doesn't come up till June, then he's not coming up till June. They could lose four arms in that rotation, and they'll just make it work with bullpen pieces. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, I mean, the more and more we talk about it, the more and more I'm inclined, in spite of the fact that I really like Boz, um, and do think he has top 30 talent, that... There's no way I can take him in the top 40. Yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's totally fair. Um, all right, moving on. Sorry, I was uh, reading something else about about Shane Boz there and how great he is. <laughs> so good, so good. But uh, I love talking about that stuff with regards to the draft type, opening different things up. Mm -hmm. And, and we try to talk about that a lot because not everything is set in stone and you can't always take every every tidbit that we give into your drafts. And that's why we try not to just be NFBC centric or at least include caveats for different leagues. But I think these 50 round draft and holds are a totally different beast than um, than a standard draft because you got to be open to taking wit earlier and Boz or and guys like that because – you're, you're thinking about like when they come up and you don't they're almost like waiver pickups that you have to draft. And so you're paying the, the draft capital is your fab, right? Because what I, do I really want to take wit in what or is he going like the top 100? Um, do I want to do that in an NFBC? Well, in March, we'll have info. But let's say we had the same info that we have right now. And this was a March main event draft. There's no universe where I would take wit at 93 in a draft and hold. I'm a lot more open to it, or at least somewhere in that higher range with wit. And see, I'm Be I'm the opposite. I'm Why? much more likely to take that risk in a fab league than I am in a draft and hold. Because Why? if I get hit with a rash of injuries, especially with COVID still being an issue, uh, there's potential early on in the season I could take a zero. And I'm I mean, not willing to yeah. take a zero. You're I think already... Boz is a little bit different. 
Boz um, is a bit different because he's already he's debuted. Well, and, uh, and but, he's a pitcher, and therefore you're going to have, you know, 21 pitchers on your 50-round draft and hold, right? I mean, um, how early – like, okay, so it would have to be a situation, though. I, I don't agree with that with regards to, like uh, – Wit makes more sense in in a in a shower or in a a family than than in these drafting holds here because you're still dealing with the entire season. Yeah, you could run into an issue where you are hitting zeros, uh, you know, COVID strikes and and a handful of injuries. Uh, aren't you kind of already in trouble anyway? Though, like you're pre- you're preparing for a doomsday scenario. You have to think of the upside though too. What if he's a 2020 player when he comes up? I like mean, we were talking about Kelnick being. Mm-hmm. And I think he I think he definitely could be. Um, that being said, the way these these draft champion leagues are won, it's by volume. And you have to accrue more plate appearances than everybody else. I mean, go and look at like, you know, I can I can show no, you. I, to- re- I totally get that. Yeah. I totally, totally get that. And but- so you, what you can't do is take zeros, because if you take zero, of course, you're 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 just aft. Um, of course. But but if I'm taking wit in particular, then I'm back in the shortstop pool. Immediate. What, what I'm saying is, you t- you don't take Witt and he's your starting shortstop. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, and I'm I, saying and I understand that you're going to pay take that Witt premium for him, but take... then you have Willie Adamas. Mm-hmm. You take that right after, or you take Witt when you already have Tatis. And people say, "Why'd you do that?" I say, "Because I'm planning for an entire season here, and he can be my MI if for some miracle." Or Tatis God, can move into the outfield. But the outfield, or... yeah. Tatis bad example because he can move. I'll say Bichette. Because then you have two just shortstops, and people are like, why would you do that? Well, for for one, there's a mid spot and a UT, but also, you, again, that's where I think I think the, the right example is actually Tatis. It's you, if you're gonna do it, do it with a player that is L, the other player that you draft, whoever is the, the non-wit player that can move to another position. That's ideal. I'm saying I would do it either way, though. I yeah, would do it with a shortstop think... only guy. Middle is a, is a position too. Top Why do we act just... like it's to me Some... is too early to take a guy that I don't think is going to be up day one in, in a draft and hold. I don't think he is either. I think because I, I think we just disagree fundamentally on the draft and hold versus mm-hmm. because, again, I'm seeing it as more of a fab pickup and the fab is the draft capital. No, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I just, and you, can, I, you can still get a lot of I disagree um, with the strategy. You can still get plenty of volume to cover for that. You're just taking your minor league, like you, so you don't take any minor leaguers. I take very, very few. Okay, you just take all the injured guys for your I, main event team. I uh, that was an unnecessary day. Yeah, it was. Uh, but no, I, 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 I take plate appearances. I, I that is the you most, can't go wrong with volume. Yeah, I, I'm trying to volume my way, and it it worked for me. I, I was I was pretty successful in these draft and holds last year. Um, because I volumed my way, you know, past other teams, especially in the dog days of summer. But but I, I know this is a, 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 a pitching pod, and, mm-hmm. and we're getting bogged down here on wit. But then I, I want to ask, like, how much do you think he's going to play? Because we're talking volume. Just because he doesn't start the season doesn't mean he can't get volume. Mm-hmm. No, no. And I, I think he will get volume once he's up. The I just don't want to put myself in a situation where early on in the season, because whatever happens then i'm taking a zero in that spot then just draft better i mean <laughs> don't give up you the can't opportunity prepare for covid like that's no, a mean I, or, I know. or you know COVID or just can't shit so then, happens so then, but then why are you trying to then right then why are you bypassing somebody like wit if covid is your your big scare there in april like at that point it's like wow you just got skunked like 
you'd have to get pretty unlucky to have a zero in August in April because of uh, because of injury. I, th- I mean, I think the difference is like you know I I would take that gamble on like a Josh Young, um, you know, third baseman for Texas, uh, yeah. because he's going so much later. It's it's that early in the draft. I'm not going to make those those gambles. Okay. Um, you know, I'd, I just, I'd, I'd rather the shortstop. Like I, I tend, I tend to agree. I, I've actually just thought about this a lot more. So I'm kind of new to this idea of of wit at this spot here. I'm just saying that there's so much depth at shortstop that I can back him up, and it's not like I I, I can't use those players when he comes up either because I can put them at the different positions. So I think it can be very easily addressed to where yeah, you're spending an earlier pick than you are for like a Josh Young or somebody, but he doesn't, Josh Young does not have anywhere near Witt's upside with the, with the speed that that Witt brings too. So that's like another mm-hmm. consideration of like what you're getting. But anyway. I think at this point we're probably going in circles. We're not going to fully agree here. Uh, fun combo, though. Let's move on to our next pitcher and our last one, Chris Bassett. My boy. 23 to 45. Yeah. I am a Bassett hound. I, I, I Yes, I am. Because um, I think he's great. I love him. Uh, I, I, you know want him to succeed i believe that this isn't just a one-year fluke we started we've seen we've seen him be good for a while now by the mm-hmm. way this, he's not even a pop-up guy the four straight years of him being good but again i think it comes down to then what do you really think he's going to do this year because i mean you, you basically have him re- repeating and like i don't think it's a good bet to, to repeat specifically like the strikeout rate I mean, he did that with no real gain in his swinging strike rate. I, that, that's still a, that's a high water mark. So I, I think you got to regress him back to like 22, 23%. And he will be 33. That was a new innings high. It could have been even higher if he doesn't get hit by that batted ball, which sucked. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think you're paying for a 33-year-old finesse, you know, command control guy to repeat his peak year. Uh, and I, I I don't I don't find that to be the best investment. Um, yeah, I mean I I, I don't know why he wouldn't uh, repeat a lot of what he did. Maybe he takes a little bit of a you know. Well, I mean he was you know point seven higher than his Sierra at three eighty six versus three fifteen. Yeah, I see that. Um, and. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of things. His XERA like. was 3.45, though. What, what, is, what is XERA like? FIP? Because he was he was a 334 FIP. Like, I, I'm I'm unfamiliar unfamiliar with. I can't remember the, the components uh, the of the XERA. Uh, but I mean, he it doesn't change anything though, because I'd put him there. If you put him at 3.45, you can't. He's not the SP23 either. So even a third of a, a point three runs, I think you I got mean, him back. Yeah. If he's a strikeout an inning for 190 that, that's innings, a, that, that's the thing. I, he's not a strikeout. In, you, that's not bankable to me. That's not proven. The general shorthand is to is two to two and a half times your swinging strike rate for an expected strikeout rate. Twenty five percent. He was maxing out because he's a ten percent swinging strike rate guy. So I think you really should. Your expectation has to be more in the twenty one to twenty three range for an expectation you can you can hope that he's going to get to 25 but the the the, the data doesn't back that as a strong bet 
because it's the one time he did it, and and it, it's the peak of what those powers can normally do. I mean, on he a, basically did it in twenty nineteen. Uh, I, I go off rate. You're saying strikeout per inning. He was at oh, eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a rate you're guy. Off, so you're going I'm, off. I'm like 25. Yeah, okay. 25% is usually about a strikeout per inning. So yeah, 23% isn't markedly off that. Okay, so that maybe maybe comes back down to 23%. But um, every little bit, like and, so even and, if you go three, so yeah, so he should drop 23. He should definitely drop then. Um, because 45, I like him. I'm not arguing against him. I'm arguing against and him. I, and I won't get him as low as, as you have him. But I can drop him below Luis Garcia, who we just talked about. You, you might. You and might get him. You might get him as low as I have him. I don't think he's, I will. He's going after Boz and Framber. Oh, I, I just met in my ranks. I won't <laughs> get him that Oh, low. oh, oh. Um, so I'll, I'm going to drop him to 34. Okay. Um. Which puts him, I just think he, you know, one of the things that like, again, this is like a, a situation in which we talk, you know, we're talking about uh, that guy's question on like, why would I rank a guy who maybe projection at, projection wise doesn't, you know, bear out to the 23rd or even the, you know, 33rd, 34th starting pitcher. It's because I think his ceiling or sorry, his floor is really, really high. Yeah, and you have to take into like the the projection is just the one number, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to there, there's so many other factors to take in, and that's why I don't see it as like a, a contradiction or anything to say that you know I might I might rank a guy like this and think he can finish here, but it, it, it's your your confidence levels uh, that that you have with different guys and and different factors that that get baked into everything to make you make those decisions. Sorry, I feel like I'm just rambling, but like I totally understand that theory and that's something that we've been grappling with you and i for like three four years now i think it started with like a kluber discussion that we had um a few years ago like maybe when he was starting to kind of show a little uh you know a little bit of of fraying there i actually i don't know when that would have been though because he was amazing in 2018 and then got hurt in 2019 and that was that's been it basically. So I, I, maybe it wasn't about Kluber, but I don't remember, but we started to talk more about like, if you wouldn't draft him there, then why are you ranking him? there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is a, you know, and I, I wouldn't draft him in the top 20 cause I don't need to. Um, no. And, and yeah, you definitely don't have to. These are um, uh, one last point. Sorry. I'll let you get that. Um, this is, this is why battle testing your ranks is so important too. And if you don't want to pay money to do a draft, I totally understand that. Some people don't want to pay for drafts that are in February uh, or, or January and December because of all the uncertainty. I get that. At least do mocks then just to battle test. The, the room might be a little wonky, but you try to battle test them as best you can. And then when you're faced with the situation of pitcher versus pitcher, you're, caught, you're on the clock. You know what you really believe. You start to get a lot better grasp on where you're at with players, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. Sorry, and I steamrolled your other point there. What were you going to say? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I, I knew I was going to take <laughs> off, and I should have just let you finish, but I had no. mine, and I was an asshole about it. I'm no, sorry. No, it's okay. It's, uh, uh, um, you're like, I'm used to it. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Bassett just has a really, really safe floor, uh, and especially when I'm talking about starting pitchers mm-hmm. um, and taking guys who are going to be anchors to my rotation, like, you know, pitching is so volatile, especially when you get outside of the top 10, 15 pitchers. Yeah. That we move that number up every year. Yeah. Especially when you get out of the top six. Yeah. And so his medium outcome 
maybe less than guys I have ranked behind him. But that's because I feel much more confident he's going to get to his 75% outcome as opposed to other guys getting to their 50. Like, you know, just for, uh, you know, argument's sake, you know, like I have him ranked right now, right in front of you, Darvish. Like, is you Darvish's, you know, 70% outcome way higher than Chris Bassett's? Absolutely. Like, if we were just going to compare their 50% or 70% outcome, you Darvish's is way higher. But I feel a lot more confident that Bassett's going to get there. And so therefore I've got Bassett above him. There's so many scare factors with with Darvish that that Bassett doesn't contain. I mean, he has the standard. He's a pitcher, so he can get hurt because that's their favorite thing to do. But that's just that's the starting point for guys. Whereas Darvish has a longer. And I know I've talked to and I've said like, don't overrate. Uh, it, the, or, basically, my my point on that is like, don't underrate the injury risk of guys who haven't been hurt because everyone has a high potential to get hurt. But you can still use a separator like health between a guy like Bassett versus Darvish because Darvish does have multiple injuries. And the best indicator for injury is previous injury. All right. Another great combo there. And the the, the Bobby Witt uh, uh, tangent was, was we enjoyable. We got a couple tangents this episode. But I yeah, like those, 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 those were good ones. I really enjoyed those. We got some stuff coming up for the pod as well. So stay tuned. Because yeah. if you guys aren't paying attention, you know, at the very beginning there, we're almost at episode 1,000. We are. We're going to do something fun for that. Yes, we are. We're working on it. Uh, we're actually going to record that before 999. We'll spoil mm-hmm. alert there. But then next week for the second episode, it will be episode 1,000. So, Justin, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I will talk to you later. Take it easy.